Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. For more videos, messages, and content, be sure to subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for a great way to stay connected throughout the week. Tune in as Pastor Jason brings this week's message from our collection of talks, Good Bones. Anybody excited to be at the 1115 finale? It's good to see you. You can... You can be seated. Normally, normally I'd have you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, but I'm going to read about half the Bible to get our time started together today. So, thought I'd let you let you sit down before I get to the the scripture I'm going to go to today. It's Ezekiel 37. If you have a Bible or you want to go find it on your phone, Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, years ago, I read a book by Mark Batterson, and it had a quote in it that struck me. It said the the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. <laughs> The second best time to plant a tree is today. That, that if you wanted the fruit of a tree, you needed to do it 20 years ago. And the reality is, is all of us are sitting in, in a church today because of seeds that were sown 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Because I don't know how you uh, encountered God, how you found Jesus, but I bet that there was a church involved somehow in the process. And somebody was praying, somebody was giving, somebody was believing, somebody was worshiping Jesus. And now we're the recipients of someone else's faithfulness. And then today, come on somebody, we get to sow some seeds of faithfulness that 20 years from now, people are going to be eating the fruit of our faithfulness because of what we've been doing. And we've been in a collection called Good Bones, just talking about legacy, about building a church that has a solid foundation that goes beyond our lifetime and, and, and serves people for generations to come. And I want to I bring it to a conclusion today in Ezekiel 37. If you know your Bible, you've probably been waiting for me to get to this passage of Scripture because you can't do a collection of talks called Good Bones and not preach about the Valley of Dry Bones. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the whole passage of Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. There's actually more in that chapter, but this is the vision that God gave Ezekiel. And verse 1 says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. Very significant. We pass over phrases like that, but it has a lot of meaning. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over the bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, 
Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Come on, could you give God praise for his word and the fact that I read all 14 verses and didn't get lost. Let's give God some praise in the room. I was having a conversation with a two-year-old the other day, and uh, it wasn't going well. I didn't speak two-year-old, and evidently he didn't speak adult. And uh, we were trying to converse. He, he had a toy he was showing me, and I was desperately trying to figure out what he was saying. He was desperately trying to explain to me what he was showing, and it was a monster truck. And I couldn't figure out what he was saying, so his mom translated for me, and he said, it, he's saying it's spooky. He was saying pooky, and I couldn't figure out what pooky was. Spooky. And I was like, well, why is it spooky? And the, the, I don't know anything about monster trucks, so forgive me. Uh, so the name of the, the truck was Gravedigger. And I was, I was about three weeks out from, I knew I was preaching this message. And when he said it, I went, well, that message is done right there. That one's finished. <laughs> I want to I preach a message today called Gravedigger. How many of you know that God will go back and dig up some graves in your life and bring some things back to life? You know, one of my biggest struggles is just simply living in the moment. And I tend to live in, in two different places in my life. One is I can, I can live in the past. I'm, I'm sort of a melancholy personality. So I can, I can kind of get caught up in thinking of days gone by, maybe, maybe living in regret a little bit. Any melancholy people in the room, you, you just sort of like to maybe decompress, get alone, Think about the past, listen to Nora Jones, and just kind of remember the days gone by. Most of our church doesn't even know who Nora Jones is. They don't, they're not even old enough to know who she is. She's a psalmstress from biblical times. Uh, but I can, I can go back to the past if, man, if only I'd, you know, done that or made a better decision here or chosen some different paths then sometimes I can go the opposite way. And I, since I was a kid, I've been a daydreamer. And dreaming's great. You should dream because you can put your work pants on and go make dreams come to life. But daydreaming's a little different. It's not attached to reality. It's just, man, if things were different in my life, if I were a different person, if something were changed about me or, or about my life, then maybe things would be better, things would be different. And it's just sometimes I need to be reminded that I don't need to be in the past and I don't need to be in the future. Sometimes I just need to be reminded that I need to live my life today. That, that this moment matters. That today matters. And we've been in a collection of talks about our church. Because I think sometimes we can just say, God's going to do great things. God's going to do great things. Or we can say, man, God's done great things. God's done great things. But how many of you would believe with me today that this moment matters and God wants to do something right here, right now in our midst, in our church, in our lives, that we're not waiting for revival. Come on, somebody. We're in revival, that we're not believing for a move of God. We're living in the middle of a move of God and we're not waiting to shape a legacy someday in the far off future. We're shaping a legacy right now by believing that we are going to leave a legacy of miracles, of seeing God move in our lives in incredible ways. In the passage we just read, God takes Ezekiel by a vision to a valley of dry bones. 
And it shows us three things that God wants to help us with. Three things God wants to help you do. Number one is God wants to help you reclaim your story. There's some stories in your life that need to be reclaimed. And as we were reading that passage, there's, there's several significant things. I guess you could say every word in the Bible is significant, uh, so touche, but um, there's, there's significant things that we tend to pass over. Number one, the Bible says that, that God took Ezekiel to a valley. A valley is symbolic of the low place, and you're like, well, duh, it's a valley. But it's metaphorically also not just talking about a low place geographically, it's talking about the low places of life the hardships of life, the difficult seasons of life, the, the things you don't necessarily want to talk about or think about. It's the low places. And it says that the valley was, was full of bones, that the bones were on the surface and very dry. So the valley was the low place. The bones were a lot of people. And it signified a place of defeat. It wasn't just death, it was defeat. That an army had been defeated here. That somebody had rose up to a battle and the battle had been too great for them. Somebody had stepped up to a fight and they had not been able to win the fight. And it's symbolic of defeat. So it's a low place that is the symbol of, symbolism of defeat. And then the bones were on the surface. Which meant that somebody didn't do the, the responsible thing and the respectable thing and they didn't bury the bones. And this was intentional. It wasn't an accident. It was intentional because when you, wanted to sh when you not only wanted to defeat somebody, when you wanted to shame them, you didn't give them the respect of a proper burial. And so when it talks about the bones are on the surface, the surface is speaking to us about the shame of this low place and this defeat. That it was done to shame them. And then it says the bones were very dry. In other words, it wasn't something fresh. It wasn't something new. It was something really, really old. And we've been talking about legacy. And I think for a lot of us, we think legacy is for like some wealthy person who has a lot of money. And they leave some of their money behind to like an organization or a university. And the university names a building after them. And that's, that's their legacy. Listen, that's, that is. That is a legacy. And that's a great Legacy, and if you want to donate a whole bunch of money to our church, we'll name a building after you. <laughs> if you donate enough money, we'll name the church after you. Um, the doctrine's not for sale, but the name is. So we'll, we'll sell that bad boy. Um, <laughs> and that, that is a type of legacy, and I would just submit to you that there is no greater legacy that we could leave in our lives than a, leg than a legacy of building and expanding the kingdom of God and advancing the church. But when we talk about bones, sometimes we only want, we only want to be known for our successes. But watch this. What if legacy isn't just how we handle the mountaintops? What if legacy is also how we handle the valley low? What if it's not just a celebration of maybe our blessings and maybe, maybe we were successful in our career or we were successful in our lives. Because honestly, I think many of us would, would say, I'm not wealthy or I, I don't have the ability to build a building and do all of that stuff. But what, what if legacy isn't just how we handle maybe the things that went well in our life, but what if legacy is about the things that we've been handed in our life that maybe it weren't so great? Some of the valley low moments because we have a saying, like sometimes you got to play the cards you're dealt. You ever heard that? 
I think sometimes you just got to play the bones you've been given. That we've been given some bones in our life. And there's things that we can't, we can't undo. You, you can't go back and change your childhood. You, you can't go back and undo those years. For many of us, we had no control over our childhood. We just got handed things in our life and we can't go back and change that. You can't go back and, and erase the years of addiction. There's no way to go back to that season and think, man, if only I hadn't have drank that or taken that, those years wouldn't have happened. You can't go back. You can't go back and undo the bankruptcy and the bad business decision or the, the money that you spent. You can't go back and undo the divorce. You just can't go back and undo those things. I, I'm speaking to people, and I don't have to be a prophet to throw this out there. I, I'm not being used by God. I've just been around church long enough to know this, that when I start talking about this, one of the biggest hurts and failures that people have experienced, Christian people, is just church hurt, just church failures. A pastor let everybody down. Can I be vulnerable in front of you guys? Because you're human, I'm human, we're all human. Let's don't build pastors up more than they should be. Let's just be ourselves and let's let God use our brokenness to do some pretty great things. But for whatever reason, people place expectations on pastors. Pastors place unreasonable expectations on themselves and then they end up letting everybody down. Uh, a building program, I can't tell you how many people like, get nervous about our church expanding and trying to build buildings and launch locations because everybody's been a part of something that failed and it didn't work out. And so now they're, they're resistant to growth and believing big and all of that stuff or a leader abused their authority and we carry all of those things. But watch this, what if our lives aren't just marked by the successes? What if our lives are marked by how we handle the failures in our life? What if, what if we saw, instead of looking at the past and thinking it's, it's something that, that we should forget, what if we looked at the past and thought maybe God wants to redeem that? And that God wants to step into that. Because God tells Ezekiel, he says, I want you to prophesy over the valley of dry bones, the place that signified an old defeat, an old injury, an old wound. And it's interesting that he says prophesy because isn't prophecy about the future? Isn't that what we would all assume? Like prophecy is about a foretelling. Like God's going to show us things to come. He's going to declare the things that are going to come to pass in our life. But the word prophecy in this instance, it could mean a foretelling, but all it means is a spirit-inspired word, which just lets us know that God doesn't just want to speak over your future. God wants to speak over your past. That there's not just a promise for where you're going. Watch this. There's a promise for where you've been. There's not just a promise for the victories and the mountaintops that are to come. There's some promises for the valley lows that you've walked through because God's wanting to speak a word over your past because he wants to take your pain and turn it into purpose. He wants to take your weakness and turn it into some strength. And he wants to go back into some defeats in your life and change them into victories because God's wanting to help you reclaim your story instead of leaving it there and being in the valley. God's wanting to reach back into it and turn it around and work it for your good and for his glory because he gives us a promise in the word of God. The enemy may have meant it for evil, but I'm in it for good. And whatever's happened in your life, I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it for my purpose because he causes all things to work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. God said, prophesy. There's a promise for your pain. There's a promise for your failure. 
And they had quit thinking about it. That's why it was so old. Somebody had just moved on from that place. Nobody had ever gone back to it to to bury the bones, to deal with the defeat. They had all just moved on from it. Let's just forget that moment. Because that's how we want to handle pain is we just want to quit. Quit thinking about it. Quit talking about it. Quit living in it. Let's move on. The problem is, is we serve a God that doesn't quit. Because he made a promise in his word, Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And we want to we leave it there and ignore it, but what we don't realize is it's still on the surface of our lives. And, and we, don't, we don't connect it, but you, there's things in our life. We were bullied as children. And somebody talked down to us, and somebody that should have been building us up was tearing us down. And now, years later, we're not that person. We're not that kid anymore. We're not in that scene anymore. So we forgot about it, but it's still on the surface of our lives because we're insecure when we get around authority figures or we get around our boss or we get around people that we want to fit in with. We can't relate to them because things that we tried to quit and forget are still on the surface of our lives. That, that we get into moments where we should be having healthy decisions and our thoughts should be one way, but because we've moved on from some things that we wanted to forget about, that, that it, it's still on the surface of our minds. And for many of us, it's still connected to us in the voice that we use and the things that we say and the words that we're, sh- that we're using, and it's still showing up, and we want to quit on it. But the problem is God doesn't want to quit on it. He wants to go back and get it because you can't change your story but you can reclaim your story and God's wanting to help you today go back to that place and say, I've got a promise for you. I've got a promise. I know what the enemy meant in your life, but I'm going to take that and I'm going to turn it and I'm going to use it in your life and I'm going to take your pain and I'm going to turn it into purpose. And it's on the surface. It comes as shame because shame is when our, when our past is about the things that we've done. But here's what God wants to do is he wants to help rewrite your story and turn it from shame and turn it into freedom because shame is when my past is attached to what I've done. Freedom is when my past is attached to what God has done, that God has stepped in and saved me, that God has stepped in and forgiven me, that God is redeeming the things of my life, that he's changing the story of my life. And some of us are wanting to forget some things. And God's saying, no, I want to help you reclaim it. Here's the second thing that God wants to do is he wants to help you restructure your life. He tells Ezekiel, he says, prophesy the word of God. There's power in the word of God. In fact, Isaiah 55 and 11 talks about, so shall it be with my word, that when I, when I send it out, it always produces fruit. You can never send the word of God out and not have it move something, produce something. It's going to accomplish all I want it to. It's going to prosper everywhere I send it. How many of you believe that about the word of God today? That when you put the word of God in your life, something's going to move. Something's going to shake. And, and God tells Ezekiel, prophesy the word of God over this defeat, over this failure, over this old injury, over all of these bones. And as he begins to prophesy, the bones begin to rattle and the bones begin to shake and the bones begin to move. Doesn't that sound horrific? <laughs> Sounds terrible. This noise, this rattling, this, this confusion that's happening because God is sending his word and all of a sudden bone is moving, bone to its bone. 
things are coming unhinged and becoming rehinged. Because the reality is this, is that all of us have some type of structure on how our lives are built. I, I have a... I have a 10-year-old son in whom I'm well-pleased. I love, I love my boy. His name's Jaden. He's just a, a, such a cool kid. He, he's always, he just knows who he is. Like, he's got life figured out. He's praying for the rest of us. <laughs> he, 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 has, he, does, he knows what he likes. He knows what he doesn't like. And he just stays in that zone, man. He just, he, he has his routines. He's very structured. Uh, he, he has the things that he likes. And then God saw fit to bless him with a mother who was very spontaneous, uh, very adventurous, loves for things to be different, never wants to go to the same place. And he, he likes the same things. She never wants to go to the same place. And so one morning when he was just a little guy, he was old enough to know what he liked but wasn't old enough to get ready for the day. And so she came in, had clothes laid out for him. He had a process in which he got dressed. Certain items of clothing went on before other items of clothing, and there was an order to it. And his spontaneous mother's just coming in, and her, her bubbly self, and she's just ready to make the day happen. So she just starts trying to throw clothes on him, and he says, Whoa, there's order in my world. Those are his exact words. <laughs> there's, there's order in my world. You're, you're messing up the order that I have in my life. How many of you know that you have a structure in your life? That, that there's, there's things that your life is built on. And when God's word came in to the valley, there was bones that were connected and laying on top of each other that didn't belong to one another. And so there was this chaos and this rattling because the word of God began to disconnect some things so it could reconnect it to some other things. And what happens in our life is it's a picture of the brokenness of our world and it's a picture of the brokenness of our lives because some of us have laid so next to a leg so long that we think that leg is our leg, but it's actually not our leg. It's a product of the brokenness that we've been a part of and it feels like it's attached to us, but God never meant for it to be attached to us. And some of us are carrying around an identity that was happening from the time we were a child and things that were broken in us and we're carrying around an identity that we feel like is us, but the problem is it's not us. It's the brokenness of the world that's connected to us, and God wants to take us to a healthy place because we live in a culture where people they just have a, a broken identity. People have a sexually broken identity. They think because of their sexual brokenness that that's who they are, and God sent me today to tell you that's not who you are. God's got better promises for you. He's got better things for you. Listen, some of you have relationships in your life that are connected to you because pain attracts pain and brokenness attracts brokenness and defeat attracts defeat and failure attracts failure. And those relationships are connected to you, not because of what God has for you, but because of the valley of dry bones that you've walked into and it's been laying with you and it's been connected to you so long that you think it's a part of your life. But then the word of God comes into your life and all of a sudden there's a rattling. I have never taken a major step forward in God when it didn't cost me a few relationships. Listen, I'm not, I'm not advocating being a jerk or burning bridges or, or going and telling a bunch of people in your life, get lost, I'm too good for you now. Listen, that's, that's not how this works. But the reality is, is there's always been people in my life who are a result of my brokenness and not my health. And the moment I decided to go towards health, something had to get dislodged from my life so God could bring something else into my life. And I, I, I remember moments. I remember Heidi and I going on a journey. Of, we're going to go. To, we're going to go to health. 
And there was people in my life, listen, there's always been people in my life that were a product of the smallness that was in my life and they were small people and they wanted me to stay small and I had to choose between going to the vastness of God's grace or staying in the small place they wanted me to stay. And I'll never forget like a moment, like it was a Sunday afternoon and our church had just had a huge win. I mean, it was an incredible weekend and I was so excited and I was so pumped driving home and I got home and I got on my couch and I got my phone out and I didn't know who to text. And I'd never felt so lonely in my life because in that moment I didn't know who my friends were because I was going through a shifting because there were some people getting disconnected And can I tell you, in those moments, we freak out because we don't want to be lonely. But it was the greatest loneliness of my life because it was the rattling of the bones of God taking some people that were unhealthy so that he could bring some things that were healthy into my life. And what happens is we freak out when the rattling happens. And I just want to tell you, the word of God works. Don't get weary in doing well. That if something's flying out of your life, it's okay because God's bringing better things into your life. He's taking you to healthier places. And it may not, it may have been a leg that was connected to you, but listen to me. That wasn't your leg. God took that away because he's about to bring something better into your life. I was eating a chocolate chip cookie one time. I bit into a chocolate chip cookie and I found out it wasn't chocolate chips. It was, it was raisins. The devil is a lie. A liar. A deceiver, devil cookies, they're deception. That's why I have trust issues. Come on, how many of you, do you inspect chocolate chip cookies now? If you've ever bitten into raisins, like every time I see a chocolate chip cookie, it's like it's a crime scene and I'm CSI. I'm investigating that thing. Like, give me a magnifying glass. I need a test kit in there because I don't want to get deceived again. I don't want to get tricked again. And what happens is the enemy brings things into our life and it looks like the real thing and it looks genuine. And then we bite on it only to find out that it met us with disappointment. And now we're suspicious of good things because we bit into the bad things. And we're suspicious of the blessings of God because we've been broken so long that when you've been broken so long, healthy feels weird. And when you've been in defeat so long, victory feels like it's foreign. And when you've been cursed so long and you've just been living under the curse, you'll be suspicious of blessing. And what the enemy does is he uses that stuff in your life to convince you that what you bit into was bad. And so there's people that's going around today saying that marriage is bad and marriage because so much has gone wrong. And I want to tell you, marriage isn't bad. It, the, peop- the marriage isn't broken. The people in the marriage were broken, but marriage isn't broken. And so now there's people cohabiting and not living by God's word because they found out that marriage was broken. Marriage wasn't broken. We were broken in the marriage. Marriage is still blessed. And there's people that are suspicious of relationships and you don't want to come into community because you've been hurt by people. Listen, relationships and community isn't wrong. The people in the relationships were bad. And there's people that are against church today because they think church is broken. No, church is broken because we're all broken people. There's nothing wrong with church. And what you've got to realize is that God is 
sending his word and there's some things that are restructuring in your life and your identity is getting changed and there's things about you that are coming off of you and there's there's thoughts and, and identity and you thought there was purpose attached to your life but it was a purpose the enemy gave you and you thought you had an identity but it was built on your brokenness and not the health that God wanted you to have and I just want to give you a promise the word of God works trust it God doesn't have raisins for you God's got chocolate chips for you don't be suspicious of the blessing God's got good things in store for your life somebody wasn't paying attention when I told that story and they're wondering why I'm so passionate about chocolate chips I am passionate about chocolate chips, come to think of it. Come on, there's things the enemy has sown into your mind. You thought it was a part of you. You thought your identity was you, but it was the brokenness. There's some of you, you have a voice in your head, and you think it's your voice, and you don't even know it's the voice of the enemy. And he sowed seed thoughts into your head and he got you to believe things so that it would come out as your voice. But if you'll back up and think about it, it's not what you believe. It's not what God's word says. And it's not what the father above you is speaking over your life today. And it's okay when your thoughts get scrambled and your world gets scrambled because God's doing something. Because in the Ezekiel vision, he took them and the Bible says bone came to bone and sign you upon sign you and flesh upon flesh. And then he covered it with skin. I don't mean to be too morbid, but the deacon composition process is to erode the skin, erode the muscle, erode the sinew, and take it down to the bone. And here's what God's word is promising, that he's restructuring your life, and he's reversing everything the enemy's ever done in your life when he destroyed your relationships. Come on, somebody. God's putting your relationships back together. And when he broke your identity down, God is rebuilding it from the ground up. And when he took away your purpose, and he took away everything that was in your life, I just want to prophesy over your past today and tell you that that there's a promise for your pain. God is reversing everything the enemy has done in your life and the curse is going to become a blessing and the pain is going to become a purpose and the weakness is going to become a strength and the defeat. God's about to turn it around and it's going to be a victory in your life because God is restructuring everything in your world. The third thing God wants to do is help you live fully alive, fully alive. It's interesting that when all the bodies were put back together again, there was still no breath in them. So they were developed, they were existing, but they weren't living. So God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the wind. It sounds a little bit new ageism, like are we talking to the wind, you know, but there was a purpose behind it. In the Hebrew, there's only one word for three English words. And the Hebrew word ruach is the same for breath, wind, and spirit. And so what God, is, what God is saying is he's using the analogy of wind and breath to tell us that he wants to, like the wind would blow, he wants to bring the Holy Spirit into your life. And like someone would give you CPR and put breath in your body, God's wanting to resuscitate somebody's life today with his spirit and his power in your life. And it's, 
at this moment, we begin to realize that God is doing two things. Number one is he is wanting them to believe for greater things. Because the first thing he told Ezekiel was prophesy the word of God. That's something you and I can do. We can restructure our lives by the word of God. And then we can just trust the word of God. But the one thing that we can't do is put the breath of life in a person. And so what God is telling Ezekiel is, number one, is I want you to do what you can do. But the second thing I want you to trust me for is for me to do what only I can do. Because you've been living your life wanting to accomplish what you can accomplish. But the things I want to do in your life are not going to happen by your strength. Because the Bible says this, it's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And God is just wanting somebody in this room to begin to believe not what you can do in your life, but begin to trust and believe that God's going to do exponentially greater than what you can imagine. I feel like God is wanting our church just to begin to believe not what we for what we can accomplish, but come on somebody, what God can accomplish through us by his power, by his spirit, by his grace that God's wanting to bring new life. God wants you to believe bigger. And then the second thing that he he tells him is this is the moment that we realize that there was a purpose for all of this. There was a purpose for God putting all the bones back together again. And it was because God said this, this, this valley, now with all of these people put back together, this valley is the house of Israel. And you know what we would say today? That's in the Old Testament. You know what we'd say in the New Testament? We wouldn't say the house of Israel. We would say the church of Jesus Christ. Because you know what the church is? It's a bunch of people who have been in the valley of dry bones and we've experienced defeat and shame and we've experienced death. But by the grace of God, God has raised us all back up together again and he's put our lives back together again. And come on, somebody, he's breathing on us and God is putting together a church that will be an exceedingly great army that he's gonna allow to inhabit the land because God's got territory that he wants us to take. God's got promises he wants us to fulfill. God's got potential he wants us to step into because God, is taking us into something greater. And this is the moment that we find out that there was a purpose to this. That God was doing something greater than just putting lives back together again. Because they, they, got, they got their junk together. And by the way, in a few minutes, I'm just gonna give you a few minutes to get your junk together. You'll have like five minutes to get your life straight. They, they got some things put back together. Some identity came together, the purpose, relationships. But it still didn't have life. Because what the mistake a lot of people think is that when I finally get the marriage figured out, marriage is good, and I get some relationships, and I, I made the finances, man, I get the financial thing figured out and straightened out, that I'll be fully alive. But that's not actually fully alive. Which, by the way, you'll see on our merch and you'll see it, it's our Easter campaign this year because we're just going to believe that there's a lot of people that are existing, but by the power of the resurrected Savior, we're going to believe that they're going to come fully alive. It's the, yeah. it's, it's the next collection of talks that we're going into. We're going to spend a few weeks talking about being fully alive because there's a lot of people that think that once I get, once I get everything squared away, that I'll, I'll be fully alive, and yet there was still no breath in them. Because the reality is this, is, is we think the end result is the marriage being healthy and, and maybe us getting into a healthy place 
and then we're gonna live fully alive because we think that having our lives put together is the end all and it's not, not actually the end all because you're living but you still don't have joy and you still don't have peace and you, you still don't have the, the thing that you've been desiring, the purpose and the fulfillment in your life because what you didn't realize is why the enemy attacked your childhood wasn't because he was after your childhood, it was because he was after your calling and he was after your purpose and he was after your place because he knew that from a childhood that God had a place for you, that God had a purpose for your life, that God had a grace he wanted to put on you. And listen, we have an enemy that's angry because he lost his place. He doesn't want you to have your place. And so we think because the enemy attacked our childhood, he wanted to destroy our childhood. No, he was after your ministry. He was after your gifting. He was after your calling. And we think he came after the marriage because he wanted to destroy the marriage. No, he wanted to use the marriage to get you so broken down that you couldn't see that God wanted to use you to do something great and something higher than you ever could have imagined. And we think that the enemy attacked our relationships just because he hates relationships. No, he doesn't want you to be in a healthy place because he knows the moment you step into a healthy place, you're going to say, God, use me. God, use me for your glory. God, you put me on this earth for something bigger than this. You think the enemy caused you to go to bankruptcy and have financial failure because he didn't want you to be blessed. No, he didn't want you to be free so that you could be used by God. And I just want to tell somebody in this room today that God is a grave digger and he's going back into your past. Not because he's wanting to dig up your pain. Not because he's wanting to dig up your failure. Not because he's wanting to dig up your shame. It's because when you buried it, you buried gifts and you buried calling and you buried anointing and God isn't going to let it stay there. That God is a grave digger and he's going back and he's digging up calling and he's digging up purpose and he's digging up anointing and he's digging up ministry because God is going to raise you up to be fully alive to say God anoint me God use me God bless me God use us to build a church use us to shake the gates of hell use us to set the captives free we're the church we're an exceeding great army Give God praise for 10 seconds. Give Him praise in this room. Come on. God's going to reclaim a story in this house. God's about to reorder and restructure your world. God's about to breathe on somebody. And they're going to come fully alive. Joy is coming. Peace is coming. Anointing is coming. Darkness is broken. Depression is broken. Shame is off of you. Freedom is here in the mighty Jesus! I asked our team just to lead us in a worship moment. So I wanted to give somebody five minutes. Five minutes to get you jumped together. Reclaim your story. Trust the process. Listen, some of you don't even know who you are anymore. You don't even recognize yourself and you think it's a bad thing. I want to tell you it's a good thing. Because the enemy sowed a broken identity and God's bringing a better identity. And it's not raisins, baby. It's chocolate chips. God's bringing the good things into your life. Somebody just needs to stand in the presence of God. 
Somebody in this room, you're a church person. You've been hurt by church. And you've buried all that. But the problem is you buried your faith. You buried your anointing. You buried your gifting. And today God's going to be a grave digger. He's going to go back and dig all of that mess up. Not because he wants to embarrass you or expose you. It's because he wants to bring you out of defeat and speak a prophetic word over your pain and tell you that he's not done with you. He's not quitting. You may have quit, but God didn't quit. If you need to reclaim your story, put both hands in the air. If you need to just let God restructure your world right now, throw both hands in the air. If you need God to breathe on the valley of dry bones of your life, come on, both hands in the air. God's about to do a work in this place. Hey, thank you for joining us and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible. And you can click the link in the description to give now or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribe, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening and God bless you.